When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Show, filling in for Tom Bernard. I'm Dave Schrader, along with Mike Molina. We've got a lot more to cover. We're going to also talk a little bit about uh, George Harrison later on the show with Susan Shumsky as we're about to pass his uh, 75th birthday coming up. Stay tuned. We'll discuss that and more right here on the Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant. Bradshaw and Brian. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional body work costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. We're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Little Elton John. What's the uh, relevance of this song, Mike? Is there something I missed going on today? No, no, no. I was just thinking, you know, it's less than a year, oh, a year from now. He'll be in town for two shows, and that's it. Yeah? His last tour. Are you going to go? Uh, yep. Yeah, Did you get tickets yet? No, not yet. But have they, I have have they officially gone on sale? I believe so, yeah. But, yeah the prices, man. Wow. Yeah, that's the thing. I think the cheapest seats were around 150 or 60 bucks oh, each. Oh, I believe it, yeah. It was about, uh, yeah, it was eight years ago. Yeah, 09 um, was coincided with Mother's Day, and I took my mom to go see Elton John and Billy Joel, the face-to-face tour. And uh, How was actually, that show? Oh, it was great. And I actually splurged, uh, could not afford it at the time, and I still can not afford it. Uh, I got her uh, <laughs> one of those meet-and-greet passes. I could only afford one, so I could not go. But Wow. Yeah. What does that uh, set you back? Uh, still paying for it. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was about uh, a year's worth of tips because I was a barista. And I was in college at the time, so it was definitely could not afford it. That was uh, That's one of the concerts I really kicked myself. I just finally got to see Billy Joel this last year. Yep. Uh, the wife and I went and saw Billy Joel. That I was, was there. exciting. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to whittle down all the bands and shows I never got to see. In the 80s, because I was too broke or didn't, you know, too young to go. 
um, Genesis is, I guess, talking about a reunion. No, concert. I've I've seen Phil Collins, and um, oh, where did you see him? Oh, I was uh, out east. It was God, I want to say oh seven. So yeah, it's been over ten years now. And uh, I'm trying to think, uh, where was it? But it was the same year. Or no, it was the year after I went to go see the Police when they reunited. Yes, and that's that. Wow. That was definitely worth it. Tim and I, yeah, we went to see the police. Man, that was like just like yeah. you were watching through a time tunnel. Yeah. They were so picture perfect. Yes. Every aspect of the show was yeah. great. Because I've seen Sting before mm-hmm. uh, a couple of times. And uh, that time out with the police, obviously having Andy and uh, uh, what's his face on the drum set. You had Andy Sumner uh, and. Uh, right. Oh, God. Why am I blanking? And not Roger. Uh, no, and he's. A uh, phenomenal drummer. Yeah, uh, uh, Stuart Sutcliffe. Yeah, Stuart Copeland. Or Copeland, yeah, Stuart Sutcliffe yep. was the fifth Beatles. Sorry and, about that. Uh, <laughs> no, and it was great because it was just the three of them. Yeah. There was no backup singers or other you know musicians. It was just the three of them. Yeah, that was a great show. Yes. I wish they would pull it yeah. together to do it again. Well, I, I remember reading uh, Andy Sum, or uh, Copeland? No, no, that's Stuart Copeland. Uh, Andy Sting. Sumner. Okay, Andy or Sumner. Or not Andy. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> and, you're tripping me up. Here. I know. I'm getting confused because it's uh, Sting's last name is Sumner. But, right. Uh, Gordon, right? Yeah. Yes. But no, the police, uh, that was a great show. Yeah, I, I truly enjoyed that one. And the fact that they're talking about Genesis coming back together. Uh, I'd love to see that show. I guess he did, um, he's doing tours over in England right now. Phil? Yeah. And yep. from what I understand, his band, you know, the the... Mike Rutherford and the others had gone to see him perform, and they were like, "Yeah, maybe we need to reunite." You know, yeah. this guy still got it; he just can't drum. I guess. Yeah, his, that's the thing. As I his fifteen-year-old he... son is the drummer. Oh, okay. But truthfully, you don't. I don't need Phil Collins to drum; just sing. No, right? I mean, he is the voice of Genesis to me. Yeah, and uh, were well, you a fan of it when it was Peter Gabriel? Uh not so much. Yeah, uh, you know. It'd be once... interesting to see if Gabriel would join him on stage once or twice if they reunite, though. Yeah, but once they had the the. Self-titled album, the Shapes album. That's mm-hmm. a great one. And then uh, it was so weird because every other year, I think the even years were Genesis albums and the odd years were Phil Collins, but you could not tell the difference. No. The Phil Collins solo albums. Right. That's why I never understood like when bands tried to move on without their lead singer, Journey, yeah. even Van Hagar. I yeah. just, uh, that was a different band to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, moving through that. What was your first concert that you ever saw? Uh, first concert was Billy Joel. Really? Yeah. Which which tour? Uh what was it? Was it uh trying to think. It was two thousand seven. It was not Elton John. Oh wow, you saw a, a lot of band or concerts that year. Well my mom was a huge Billy Joel fan. She was a uh pianist and uh so the piano man. Uh she could play, you know, his whole sound book or songbook and um yeah, she was a huge Billy Joel fan and she's from or she grew up out east, so there's a connection there because uh, Billy uh, definitely is. I mean, he sells out Madison Square Garden. He does yeah. one show a month, and uh, they still go see him. Wait, He's, he you know. he still does one show a month there. Yeah, yep. He has a residency at the Garden, and uh, I didn't realize that he played that often. Oh yeah, no. I mean, it's crazy because you know everybody's talking about retiring now, and yeah, he still does. One show a month at Madison Square, and uh, he's been doing it, I think since 2013, 2014. And he's he's great. Yeah, he doesn't. Didn't miss a step either. No. The only thing I didn't care for in his concert, to be honest with you, was letting the the listeners uh, vote oh. on the songs. Yeah. Because there was some of that obscure crap I didn't want to hear. You know. Yeah. I would rather hear the popular tunes, and I understand once in a while it's okay to throw in a deep cut or two. Mm-hmm. But it was like, oh, we're so trendy. Let's just keep voting for the crap song nobody cared about. <laughs> Remember the reason that song wasn't popular to begin with? Yeah. Let's get back into the popular songs. So that was the only. <laughs> Pardon me, the only part of the show that, that kind of wore thin. My first concert was Cindy Lauper, She's So Unusual. <laughs> well, I, say, I guess technically I saw Peter Tork at a, at a bar called Tuts Down Under uh, from the Monkees. Uh, I snuck into a, a bar with the aid of my mother getting me in uh, to, to see this concert when I was a teenager. Uh, but the first full-blown concert I saw was uh, She's So Unusual by uh, Cindy Lauper. And she's touring now with oh. uh, Rod Stewart. Oh, okay. Right? And they're doing this tour. They're going to be out here. Um, I want to say it's August. I got tickets. And I actually held off at first. And Groupon, of all places. Did you know there's a lot of these concerts showing up on Groupon? No. Yeah. No. I got the concert uh, tickets for my wife and I for 30 bucks a piece off Groupon. Um, 
there's another tour right now with uh, Hall and Oates. Oh yeah, and I'm trying to think who they're touring with. Somebody I didn't picture them touring with, but they're out touring, and their tickets are on Groupon right now in Minnesota, so you can get a pretty good put pretty good price on that. Um, Coming to town, man. Yeah, so they'll be in town, and who who does it say they're going to be performing with? Does it? Uh, uh, yeah, click on that one. Let's uh, let's take a peek. No, no okay. news. <laughs> oh, train. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, they're going to be touring with Train. Um, but Cindy Lauper, I, man, that was a great concert to be a part of. You know, uh, that, and I was also lucky enough, I saw the Purple Rain tour. Oh, there you go, yeah. Stayed out all night outside the Rosemont Horizon to get tickets when it came on sale. Had great, I think we were like in the 23rd row center wow. on the main floor. And to have the opportunity to see that concert. Uh, I also got to see the Born in the USA concert in Chicago at uh, Soldier Field. Nice. So uh, that those were two of the you know quintessential '80s concerts you wanted to be there for. Yeah. Two of the I'll, biggest shows. The Boss is great. I yeah. Mean, you definitely get your money's worth when you go to see the Boss. I mean, uh, I saw. Um, uh, I think it was 2013, and uh, he was at the X, and man, it was great. That was the first. That was my first time seeing him, and he played almost three hours. Yeah, I, I've seen every concert. Except the Magic concert since Born in the USA. Okay. I was out of town, out of the country when Magic came around. I was already booked to go out of the country. That broke my heart. But that's the only show I haven't seen. Because I saw him last time out when you did The River. Oh. And that was great. Yeah, I took my son to that concert. You know, the one I was mentioning about the, um, I took him to see the Fab Four. Mm-hmm. And he goes and sees this. My son placates me. He's like, okay, Dad, I'll go see your old man music, right? I took him <laughs> to see Billy Joel. Or, I'm sorry, Billy Idol at First Avenue. It was his first 18-plus show. Oh, nice. And we were three feet away from the stage. I mean, we were right there. And he turned to me and he's like, this is awesome. And we got to enjoy that. Then I took him to see Bruce Springsteen, The River. And that was another one that halfway through when Springsteen's launching into his third hour on the stage, my son literally puts his hands on the side of his head and he turns to me and yells, this is the greatest beeping concert (laughs) I've ever seen. This guy's amazing. And he's like 67 years old. Yeah. And he's running and sliding oh, yeah. across the stage, and he's he's being uh, body surfed across the. He just, the guy is amazing. I only he, wish I could afford to see him on Broadway right now. Oh, so do I. You know, I got in on that ticket deal, and they they reached out and they're like, "Hey, tickets are on sale right now, and you're one of the insiders." And I went in, and the cheapest seats I could get, they had like seventy five dollars seats, then two hundred, three hundred, five hundred, and like seven hundred dollars. Everything was sold out, but like the five hundred and seven hundred dollars yeah. seats. And I just can't pull that trigger to see. A seven hundred dollar no. show. Well, Plus, you got the travel expense. Yeah, it's not like you can go get a forty nine dollar hotel no. in Manhattan. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to be out a couple hundred bucks for a night at, at there. Plus, my airfare round trip, and I got to do that for my wife and I because there's no way I'm going to get to go see Springsteen live on Broadway and not bring her with. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of Broadway, I mean, you saw that uh, Hamilton's coming to town. Yes. <laughs> so who knows what ticket prices will be like that? I mean, well, I don't. It's Minnesota. Yeah. Do you think Hamilton's going to be as big here and ex- as explosive? Uh, I think. I think you know, not obviously as big as Manhattan, but I think of all the markets, you know, they're going to pick and choose where they know they can sell. And I right. mean, you know, we do like the arts here. Sure. Uh, but yeah, going back to Sting too, because I saw him last year at Myth. Yes, and, I was there too. Okay, well, that was the thing is, uh, so I brought my kid brother there because I was like, you know, you got to go see him. I like his solo stuff and right. definitely love the police. And um, well, you remember, it was... You know, your typical concert, what I actually like, because a lot of concerts nowadays, you cannot, you know, show up early right. and just wait for the general admission to open up. But the myth is different, and you right. could. And you remember how cold it was. It was, oh, March. Yes. it was March. It was early March, but it was still freezing. Right. And I'm like, okay, after the podcast, I'm going to go over to myth and just wait and wait and wait and wait. And it was freezing. And I'm like, do I want to bring my winter jacket in? So I left it in the car. Oh. Big mistake. And I'm yeah. just like, man. And I was about the fifth person in line. <laughs> And then all the VIP show up, right? And they get first crack, yeah. And they get to see the sound check. I was kind of a jerk. Ah, yeah. Great show. Yeah, that was. I couldn't believe that there were tickets still available. I had hesitated, and then I pulled the trigger. I went to StubHub to get my seats. Yeah, me too. And I got the general admission and the VIP deal, and I I ended up standing. I was five feet away from the stage. Yeah, me too. That was the thing. Is oh, we we must have been right near each other and not even noticed. All you VIPs left. So yeah. probably good. I'll go, but go back to the bar. So when I was there for Los Banderos or whatever, and I right. was, yeah, uh, you know, closer to Sting than I'm to you right, right now. I mean, it was crazy. 
Yeah, I, I did not. For the record, I did not leave my spot. I stayed right there because I had great spots. I, there was uh, literally to see Sting that close in a yeah. in a nightclub environment. Yeah, and they were a great backup band for him too. Oh yeah, and his son too. Uh, Boy, his know. son sounds just like him, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. When he came out and did the uh, Bowie cover, Ashes to Ashes, she was great. Right. But uh, that was the only thing. And uh, going back to your bouncing days, uh, I had a little altercation with you <laughs> VIPs because they left, and I was right there, first uh-huh. row. And they came back from the bar and restroom or whatever. We had a little, little incident because I was like, "No, you left!" Like, right? You know, just because you are a VIP, I mean, and you got your little tote bag, like. <laughs> You know, it doesn't mean you you get to come back and stand here. Nope, I agree. That's why I did not leave my spot. Yeah, and that was I, the thing too is they actually came back after Los Banderos, so they were gone for a long time. And right? I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. I, no, I'm. I've I'm paid not my leaving. dues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I cannot feel my uh, my fingers or toes, but yeah, you're not getting your spot back. And uh, it was this whole little incident too, because by that time, I mean, Sting came out and did that solo piece right. to open up the concert, and then. These guys came back when he closed the show with the other solo mm-hmm. piece, and they were the ones. I don't know if you could hear them. They had to be escorted out when he did the uh, oh the song. He was actually nominated for an Oscar last year. These guys, you remember the song? It, yeah. uh, co- or it was the uh, track from one of the ISIS inspired. You know the right. And I can't think of what it is offhand, but yeah, I'm with you. And there was this guy, and he was just—he was drunk. He had left. We had the little altercation. He went to the bar and kept drinking, and he came back. And he was so loud because you know it was this sting in his guitar that he had to be escorted out because it was just like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, I probably have that on video. I kept running video of the show. Yeah, me too. So that I could say I streamed. I think I streamed um, every breath you take through Facebook. <laughs> uh, but that, yeah, that was a great show to get a chance. That's why I was so lucky. I got to see uh, both Billy Idol and Sting in a nightclub setting and yeah. be right there for that show. That was that was great. He but, was just back in town for uh, the Super Bowl. He played the uh, my friend. Uh, wait, who was Sting? Oh, okay. Um, where, really, where was he? Yeah, playing? he was at the Union Depot over in St. Paul because the Vikings had their staff party. Right. And I have a friend who's dating somebody who works for the viking staff uh-huh. and they got to go and i was like are you kidding me right now like uh, you know we're talking like a, a i don't know maybe 200 people give or take however many people work in the vikings organization yeah he was in town that reminds me of uh, back in the day i had a buddy of mine go hey i, I got tickets to see this uh girl uh singer who's going to be at the fine line tonight and have you ever been to the fine line yeah a yep. great small oh, yeah. venue and i go sure i'll go with you he goes uh you know i've already got the tickets you don't owe me anything just buy me a drink i'm like sure we go in and we were really close to the stage. And out comes this angry, angsty Alanis Morissette. And it was her <laughs> Jagged Little Pill album before it broke. So I literally got to see her perform the whole album, and I was as close to her as I am to you. And then I remember she came back three months later, and that's when she was playing Target Center. Yeah. And tickets were you know <laughs> exorbitant through the roof. But it was really cool to kind of see that first break uh, of a show. All right, we'll take a break. We'll, we'll discuss more music, have more fun. We'll do that here. I'm Dave Schrader filling in for Tom Bernard. He'll be back with you on Monday here on the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. This is Tom, and I've been telling you how easy it has been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. My goal has been to lose 92.5 pounds. Well, I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and I can't wait to shed those extra unwanted pounds. Nutramost is unlike any other weight loss program. It's just so easy, and they guarantee that you will lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. The team at Nutramost in Plymouth will support you every step of the way, on your wellness and weight loss journey. Then, after you hit your goal, Nutramost in Plymouth is there for you with the Nutramost Forever Plan, an all-inclusive wellness program that improves and promotes healthy living and choices. 
Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost Plymouth, located just off Highway 55 and 494. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. back to the tom bernard show yeah great band the the police getting a chance to see them was a dream come true i wish they they tour again is there any other bands you wish would would come back together for one last hurrah um and are there ooh, any bands oh, that you Pink, wish well, would Pink just Floyd. go away? oh Pink, yeah yeah you know i've seen roger waters and yep you know it's great did I you saw, see the last roger waters tour when he was just here no no i saw the wall and dark side though yeah i kicked myself i wanted to check the dark side but i, I just saw the last tour and that was great that was a really good show um, and I kicked myself really bad because when Pulse came out and they were all still together, I oh, passed yeah. on it. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll catch them next time. And that, that was their last tour, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, so that was that was a big bummer. But, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see a Pink Floyd show. Um, and I think it was uh, – Is Gilmore still touring, doing some of the, the yeah, Pink Floyd uh, yeah, stuff? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. I'll have to keep an eye out for that because that's a show I'd like to come in and see. You know what was a great uh, – well, when I first moved up to the Twin Cities because I'm from Illinois originally – my buddy Tim took me to um, uh, First Avenue, and we got to see The Time perform at First Avenue. Oh. And I was a huge Purple Rain fan. So to me, that was just like, what? This is amazing. And uh, and got to see that show, and they were a lot of fun. Uh, but those are you know impactful shows, i got to say, that um, Springsteen's Born in the USA, Purple Rain, those shows were great. Even you know for as campy as it was, the Monkees' 20th reunion tour when they came out, was so good. And I, I was out in California when they were at the, um, oh gosh, what is it? The out, not the Hollywood Bowl. Maybe it was, or the Greek Theater. It was one of those two. They came out and Mike Nesmith joined them on stage. And oh. I got to see that and witness the four of them reunite for that one night for a few minutes. So that was really kind of cool to get a chance to see. And then when I saw McCartney the first time, wow, what an entertainer. Holy Christmas. Just a great show. The guy was pulling it in. I... I can't pay the prices they want for him now. Yeah. And his voice is that kind of wispy voice now where it's more like sustained talking instead of actual singing. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't bring myself to pay it. There's some people like, like McCartney. I'd like him to just go away peacefully now. Yeah. And I could say the same, like I've seen him, uh, tw- Oh no, I only saw him once band of joy, Robert plant. Cause oh. that'd be the top. If, if there were ever a band, yeah, Pink Floyd would be great. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but if Zeppelin could ever somehow get it together, but what is the big problem? I believe it's just Robert Plant not wanting to do any Zeppelin. I mean, because from all accounts, Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones want to do it, and Bonham's son, right? You know, joined them at the O2 concert in '07. Uh, but yeah, from the sounds of it, it's just Robert Plant not wanting to do it. So, well, well, can't they just fill in and get somebody else like they did with Queen? Yeah. Ugh. Oh, I. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, How can you call yourself Queen? <laughs> and it's a shame because they have such a great songbook. Oh, yeah. Right? And it's got to be a pain in the butt to not have them tour. And I, you know the one concert I would have gone to see is George Michael leading Queen. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. when they did that um, benefit concert for AIDS after Freddie died, have you ever seen any of the footage of that? Uh, not of that one. I've seen the 85 Live Aid one, though. Right. Well, that was Freddie Mercury, though, live. Yeah. But when they did the benefit concert after Freddie died... You should pull up. I love you. You love the song uh, "Pressure" by Bowie and Freddie oh, Mercury. Yeah. See if you can find the audio from uh, Annie Lennox and Bowie. I mean, two powerhouse voices, fantastic voices. It is almost unlistenable to hear both of them together. And they had all of these bands coming out and just butchering Queen songs. And you're like, God, what was the idea behind this? And then George Michaels comes out and saves it. And if you haven't heard the audio of that, Mike, holy cow. And and I thought it was great because he did Bohemian Rhapsody. But the whole little rap part, I see a little silhouette yeah. of a man. He just shuts up and they play Freddie's version of that. And then he comes back for the rest of the song. So they he stepped in at the right points. But it's, it is such a great uh, performance that I wish he would have gone on tour with Queen to do the playbook for just at least one concert tour. Adam Lambert. I don't know. Did you see any of the footage from that? No, I only heard uh, not-so-good things about yeah. it. Yeah, it was like when the Doors reunited and they had a, a, a lead singer that was with them, 
and I can't remember who was performing with them, but it was just tragic, you know? Not that I want to sound alike, but I just wanted to have that same vibe. Yeah. And that, Journey, I guess the, the lead singer of Journey is remarkable and sounds oh, yeah. just like Steve Perry. Yep. But to me, it's hard to go see that, and especially for the prices that they ask. Yeah. To see, you know, to me, with, that's like a, a karaoke band. Coming to town, I think, uh, with Def Leppard at yeah. the field. Yeah, I saw Def Leppard opened up for um, Kiss a few years ago. I took my boys, all three of us went to see, well, four of us went to see Kiss. And my oldest son, Cliff's like, Dad, there's four of us. There's four of them. We're wearing makeup. <laughs> so we got my buddy, or my friend Jackie, who does makeup. She did all of our faces in full Kiss regalia, and we sent off to the concert. And had a great time, but Def Leppard blew Kiss off the stage. Which is, how often can you say that, right? That, yeah. the, that the opening band is better than the lead band although i will tell you the only other time that i've had that kind of experience i went to see the aerosmith album uh concert permanent vacation which was oh. their kind of resurgence 80s album yep and they had this young upstart very fruity looking band to me uh opening up for them and i had no interest in them until they were in like their second song and my jaw was just hanging open i was like god these guys are amazing who are these guns and roses guys <laughs> and so i got to see them when he used to show up for his concerts so at least i got to see that one performance of of um, their their debut album when he was still there you know and i think they only did like seven or eight songs yeah well, i it, I, I, I heard he was on his best behavior when he was in town last year right was that with the guns and roses yeah. or when he was yeah. opening up for acdc no no uh Guns N' Roses, remember, because it was the same weekend as Billy Joel when he came oh, out and right. did Big Shot. That's right. Yeah, he came out on stage. I, uh, I And that's another one I kicked myself for. Valentine's Day two years ago. ACDC. Oh, yep. I was there. Oh, I'm like, no, nah, I'll catch him next time. I'm busy. <laughs> and then you got yeah, Brian. Brian goes yep. out. The drummer is arrested for plotting to kill somebody. <laughs> yep. And then um, Malcolm. Malcolm's gone yep. now. So the band is. Yeah. What are they? They're, he's, they're going back out on tour with Axel, but yeah. there's nobody left in the band except for Angus. Uh, yeah, because Phil Rudd is. Is he the one that was right? Well, I mean, yeah, it would be <laughs> Axel and Angus. Yeah, so that's not even ACDC. No, but uh, yeah. They, they should call it we, AC we Roses. You we missed you because it was great. Oh, I mean, I actually can me. add that to the list of. Uh, failed relationships because that was kind of the breaking point because i was like you know it's, it was a sunday too so it's like sunday valentine's day and you're right. like no i'm going yeah because i saw them last time twice on the black ice tour Shit. when they came in and man that was great That's you know I'm and then my my luck see i blow that off but i go see the who <laughs> when they came through with the quadrophenia tour oh i was there too were uh. you disappointed in that show uh a little bit well I okay just, i was quadrophenia just, is not a great album no and why they chose that album to kind of go through was, I yeah. don't know. But well, did you see them when they tried to do Tommy and? Uh, well, that was when uh, just yeah. uh, Roger was yeah. touring doing no, Tommy. Yeah, but remember Roger's voice? Yeah, yeah, his voice is shot. Yep, I was like, oh. And yeah, that was that was tough. That's yeah, why I said, with like, my luck, I choose that concert and not the ACDC. And then now everybody's gone from ACDC. Yeah. So I guess the closest I get to see you with that is I'm going to be on the Jericho cruise in October this year. Chris Jericho is doing this rock oh, and yeah. wrestling tour cruise, um, and Jim Brewer is going to be on board performing with his band. And have yep. you ever see, have you ever heard Jim Brewer do ACDC? No. Oh my God, Mike! He does uh, uh, he does it as you know Joe. He was talking about how cool they are, and he said you know they could sing anything and make it sound cool, and he does the hokey pokey <laughs> as ACDC, and it's unbelievable. Well, did you pull up audio on the? Uh, yeah, still trying to find the best one, but uh, I mean, not that there is a best one. Right. But, I mean, it was the same thing when Billy Joel pulled his roadie out and he did uh, Highway to Hell. Right. But that was a good concert. Yeah. I thought no, that was that, a great that, cover yeah. right there. Yeah, that was. But the, uh, yeah, and that was a wow, that was amazing. That was a really good part of the show. But um, if you, if you can't find the Annie Lennox and Bowie version, did you get that? Yeah. All right, we'll listen to this. Promising start, right? Right? I see the wincing. Their voices are way down through the bottom of the scale. That's tough, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 
See if you can pull up Jim Brewer doing ACDC or Jim Brewer Hokey Pokey. It's hilarious. And, man, his voice is dead on with how good he is uh, recreating Brian's voice, Brian Johnson. My son now, uh, Linus, is big in all this classic rock stuff. So he's like ACDC is his go-to band. ACDC and Aerosmith have kind of become his his world for music at this point, and he loves it. And he's kicking himself that there's no real Well, see, now, I was supposed to go see Aerosmith. Uh, It was the – they were out in South Dakota, Mm -hmm. and Steven Tyler fell off the stage and they canceled the rest of the tour. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, because it was ZZ Top and Aerosmith. I'm like, oh, two birds, one stone. Right. And then that happened. So then I see them when they kicked off their tour because that's where they started was at Target Center six years ago now. Right. Their last album. And they were, you know, it was good. It was... uh, Was he able to hit any register or no? No. I mean, it was still like, you know, this is my... First time seeing Aerosmith, so I was too excited to. Right. But looking back on it, nah, it was it was a good concert. Was it the best? No, but uh, it, it was still great to see them. You know, I forget. I saw the New Jersey and Slippery When Wet concerts when they came out oh. for Bon Jovi, and then I took my uh, ex wife to go see Bon Jovi. I don't know, like fifteen years ago, and he comes out and decides to do it mostly acoustic. Oh. So it's super slow versions of. Yeah. And and I know why he was struggling to hit the notes. Oh. So when you're doing the acoustic and slower version, you can change the register, right? Yeah. And well, it was just, nobody wants to hear, oh, yeah. living on a prayer. Right? I want an anthem, man. I want to rock that place. Oh, yeah. And it was like depressing music as hell. Well, now, uh, you know, speaking of it, uh, it's sad to look on or look back at this past June, but I went to see Tom Petty and uh-huh. uh, Joe Walsh, the opener, mm-hmm. uh, I think, Took him off the stage. I mean, really? who knows what was going on? Obviously, looking back on it right. now, health wise, was, yeah. was dealing with it. Yeah, because I saw Petty uh, before when he was with the Heartbreakers, and that was like 2013 when he was at Target Center, and that was a great show. But this time out, it wasn't the same. But Joe Walsh, uh, I would definitely want to come back or uh, when he's in town with the Eagles this summer. Yeah, that's another show. That's probably the one show I have circled. See, to me, that's one of those shows again where I kind of feel like they should have just maybe left it alone after. Glenn Fry. Glenn Fry yeah. passed away. And and who the choice is it's Glenn Fry's son and Vince Gill. Yeah. That they're replacing him with. So Glenn Fry's son, I guess I get. Vince Gill, I'm not so sure. Is he like close with uh Don Henley or what's what's the connection? Well, did you ever see that uh you saw, I'm sure you did, the Eagles uh a documentary. Uh, yeah, the do- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was eye opening for me. Oh, I was yeah. like, man, because I knew, you know, Towards the late seventies, eighties, when they broke up, I think it was nineteen eighty, uh, that that band had been through some stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. When they did that Hell Freezes Over yeah. tour, <laughs> and what is it with the one guitarist? Right, they're up there talking for Governor Jerry Brown. Yeah, and he makes some snide comment, and, and Glenn Fry walks over and goes, "I'm going to kick your ass after the show." <laughs> and the guy walks off the stage at the end of the show, walks out to a cab, gets in the cab, and leaves. And that was the last time they saw him. <laughs> you got to love that. I want to kick your ass after the show. Yeah. That's great. Did you find the Brewer segment? Yeah, Repeat after me. You ready? You ready? His Brian Johnson voice is dead on, though, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah. That's crazy. But he does the whole little spiel with that. And then the other one that really blew me away, I mean, I know Jimmy Fallon is talented. And were you a, are you Doors fan at all? Yeah. Pull up Jimmy Fallon, uh, Jim Morrison. It was Ray's birthday yesterday. Oh, Raymond's Eric's birthday, yeah. yeah. Um, and Jimmy Fallon does, you know, these great cover versions of songs, but he does the Reading Rainbow theme. Well, as Jim Morrison. Yeah, he, he is very talented when it comes to that. Because, I mean, when he did uh, The Boss. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? His boss is a shadow of what, like, the Morrison Im- imitation he does. What about his Neil Young? Oh, his Neil Young's great. Neil Young. But you know what? He's all in that same register. The Bob Dylan that he did. Did you see the uh, Tonight yeah. Show? Yep, when he was in town. Wow. Yeah. And I was waiting for a kind of a sarcastic, silly song. That thing was impactful as Bob Dylan at the, at the uh, Orpheum, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you have there now? Yeah, he's re- singing the Reading Rainbow theme. But listen to his voice. In the skies, 
That's uncanny, man. <laughs> and his motions and everything, just amazing. Uh, Susan Shumsky is going to join us when we return to talk about my favorite Beatle next to Paul McCartney, George Harrison, when we return here on the Tom Bernard Show. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. Tom Bernard here. If you're ready to sell your home, you've probably heard that you should wait until spring. But why wait for temperatures to rise when the market is hot right now? Not selling in winter is a total myth. Truth is, buyers are hungry. And while other sellers and real estate agents hibernate, the Chris Lindahl team is selling homes like hotcakes. Chris has done a great job. We have our house on the market with Chris right now, as a matter of fact. And the video he did is amazing. The Chris Lindahl team is America's number one REMAX results team for a reason. They play to win, and they've got the skilled players to sell your home fast. In fact, they sell a home on average every nine hours for over the MLS average. Don't wait until spring to sell your home. Call the Chris Lindahl team at 763-401-SOLD. That's 763-401-SOLD. The first two callers will get a free staging package. This is a huge value, and it's only going to the first two Tom Bernard Show callers from this ad. That's 763-401-SOLD. Call now, get the free staging package, and grab the opportunity before winter is over. We're rocking and rolling here on the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader filling in for Tom. He'll be back with us on Monday. I'll be here with you today and tomorrow, along with Mike Molina. Joining us now... Hard to believe this, Mike. How about this? It's been 17 years since George Harrison passed away. Yep, November 29th. I remember that. It was right after 9-11. 17 years. His 75th birthday is February 25th. We just passed the 54th anniversary of the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And today we've got with us author Susan Shumsky. She has uh, written a book called Maharishi and Me, Seeking Enlightenment with the Beatles Guru. She's been featured in the Los Angeles Times, GQ, Fox News, and more. We're here to talk about uh, George Harrison. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thank you for joining us. I'm so happy to be here with you today. It's great. This is, uh, what a time, I mean, to, to be able to kind of look back and reflect on an amazing musician, um, humanitarian at 75 years of age uh, it's it's he was the youngest of the beatles right i'm sorry he was the youngest i said he was the youngest of the beatles is that right yes 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 and uh, such a loss a tragic loss to to have lost him and and do that now talk to me a little bit about this how did you get so interested and intrigued in especially george harrison's story Well, I was a hippie. It was the 60s. I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area. And those of us who were flower children, we were really very interested in spirituality. We wanted to experience higher states of consciousness. And our gurus at the time were like uh, Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert, who later became Ram Dass. And they had written The Psychedelic Experience. And we all wanted to experiment with that. And, of course, the Beatles were very involved with that, too. And George Harrison ended up coming to San Francisco for the Summer of Love, along with 100,000 kids from all over the country. And it was like a spiritual revolution was taking place. And we were all a part of it. And my story is really the story of the entire boomer generation. Even if they didn't participate directly, they were certainly a part of this spiritual revolution and so and i was already a you know a beatles fan right so uh 
but I was really interested in meditation, and I tried to meditate on my own. I had some really interesting experiences, but I wanted to find a meditation guide because Alan Watts, in his books, he talked about that. You have to find a meditation guide. So a friend took me to the Transcendental Meditation Center in Berkeley, and that was in 1966. And I was really keen to learn meditation. I had to wait nine months before a teacher would come to teach me, but finally <laughs> I learned during the Summer of Love in August of 1967, before the Beatles ever learned, TM, Transcendental Meditation. And I immediately took to it. I was enthralled with the whole thing, and I had incredible experiences, and I finally learned how to meditate. And, and for the first time in my life, I was feeling something quite different. I was feeling happy. So, uh, Well, when you say that you were experiencing the, things you'd never experienced before, let us in on that. What, what kind of things were you opening up to? Yes, yeah, so... Medita Transcendental Meditation helps me to experience my true inner nature. I mean, that experience of Transcendental Consciousness is an experience of very deep peace, relaxation, feeling of wholeness and oneness and unbounded awareness. It's really an experience of inner bliss, of great inner happiness. And I was so thrilled that I really immediately wanted to teach others, so I became a TM meditation checker As a matter of fact donovan showed up at the tm center one day hmm. and i checked his meditation <laughs> and uh it was kind of weird and then uh, i kept applying to go to india to the tm teacher training courses but they kept rejecting me because i was too young but finally i did go to india and studied with maharishi and i was with him for six months at that time in india and I ended up on his personal staff. I stayed on his personal staff for six years, and I was lived in his various ashrams for 22 years. So I was really a TM insider, and it was a pretty interesting time in my life. What With George Harrison, was he kind of the spiritual catalyst for the band? Was he really the one that started looking into that? I know it seemed to impact him longer than the other band members. Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, he really is the one that dragged the rest of them into the whole TM thing. But his wife is the one who first learned about TM. She read about it in the Times of London. And in February 1967, she learned TM. And then when George heard about the incredible experiences she was having and how great it was for her, he wanted to have his mantra. He said, I want, my, I want a mantra now. <laughs> so... When they heard that Maharishi was going to be speaking at the Hilton Hotel on August 24th of 1967, George Harrison got tickets for all the Beatles and their friends, and they all showed up at the Hilton to see Maharishi. Uh, and they met him backstage after Maharishi spoke, and they told Maharishi that they had been experimenting with drugs because they wanted to have spiritual experiences, but they weren't really getting what they wanted with drugs. And Maharishi actually told the press later on that, uh, that strangely, the fact that people were, the kids were taking drugs was just a sign that said that they wanted to have experiences of higher consciousness, and now they could through meditation without drugs. So, uh, Ma so Maharishi invited the Beatles to come to a retreat that he was teaching, which started the next day, on August 25th, and he invited them to go up with him to Bangor, North Wales, where he was teaching at a college there called Norm Normal College. They were having a retreat. They took over the college, and the Beatles joined Maharishi on the train and traveled up with him, which is very unusual for them to go by public transport, but they went up with Maharishi on the train, and uh, then they stayed in, like, bunk rooms with bunk beds and ate the campus food, which they didn't like very much, so they ended up going to the Chinese restaurant nearby, <laughs> but they, uh, <laughs> the retreat was for 10 days, but they only stayed for two days, because 
uh, on August 27th, unfortunately, Brian Epstein died, and that was their manager. So uh, although Brian was supposed to come to the retreat, obviously he didn't make it, and the Beatles had to leave on the 27th to go back to London because Brian had died. But they found some comfort from the words that Maharishi said to them about Brian's death. And they were big advocates. They continue to be big advocates of defending meditation and Maharishi, for example, on the David Frost program and so on. And, and Maharishi invited them to come to India February of 1968, which they did. They all showed up in India, and so did many other celebrities like Mia Farrow and Mike Love of the Beach Boys was there as well, and Paul Horn, who is a quite famous flute player. So uh, it was, you know, a big kind of party they had in Rishikesh where they wrote a lot of songs uh, that ended up on the White Album, the album that's called the Beatles, but most people call it the White Album. And were the, and were you part of the, the were you part of the the program at that point when the Beatles were there? That was one of the courses that I got rejected. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they kept rejecting me. I was too young, too young, too young. I did apply. I didn't know the Beatles would be there, but I applied for that course. I right. applied for three courses before they let me go to India. But I did do a lot of research and know exactly what happened there, probably no more than anybody, what, what really happened, because I read so many articles and so many books on it, and also interviewed people. I mean, I knew people that were there. No, I thought uh, I thought that a couple of the people. Beatles weren't buying into it as much. I mean, George certainly mm-hmm. got in line with it, and it seemed like, like John might have, but uh, was it Paul and Ringo that were more um, holding off on the whole aspect? Well, they all were keen on meditation, and and George and John were the most serious about it, and they really took to it like a duck takes to water or whatever, you know. But Ringo, okay, so he only stayed for two weeks. Paul stayed for one month, and John and George stayed for two months. Uh, Ringo left because... His wife was very uncomfortable. She hated insects. The place was crawling with scorpions and millipedes and centipedes. <laughs> and every time she would see an insect, she would ask her husband, who she called Richie. Richie had to kill all the insects and dispose of the carcasses before she would, before she would go anywhere. And one time, she was held at bay by one fly. She was held hostage by a fly until Richie got back to the, to the bungalow to, get, to kill the fly. I mean, it was pretty extreme. And that, also, that had to be messing with their karmic uh, situation, too, all that murder of, of innocent bugs. Murder, right. right. Insect mur- aside, whatever. So, uh, insect, uh, whatever. Uh, killing. So... Uh, Also, his stomach didn't take to the ashram very well. He couldn't really eat the food. He had brought with him an entire suitcase of Heinz beans, and, uh, you know, he just couldn't handle that. But also, they really missed their kids. They have very, very young children. One of their kids was only a few months old. And so they they wanted to return to London because of that. But... Uh, Ringo did report that he had great experiences and it was really far out, quote unquote, and, and that they were having a wonderful time there. So there was nothing negative about his experience. And then Paul, the reason why Paul McCartney only stayed for one month is because his girlfriend, uh, Jane Asher, Jane right? Asher yeah. who, whom he came to the ashram with, she had to go back because of a theatrical commitment. She was in a play. So they had to leave because of that. Did, and, did George um, feel that this really kind of, this work and meditation really opened him up musically and helped him with his creative side? As a matter of fact, before they ever met Maharishi uh, or even knew about Maharishi, George was already studying sitar with Ravi Shankar, who was the most, renowned sitar player at that time and he was very serious about that kind of music because he felt that it opened people's consciousness and that it was a 
really important form of music. And as a matter of fact, while the Beatles were in India in Maharishi's ashram, George uh, converted a little bungalow that was at the ashram into a music room and lined it with, they carpeted it and they put some pillows in and they had musical instruments there, Indian instruments, and they opened it up for the course participants if they wanted to come and try to play these instruments. So, you know, he had a little music room going on there. And also, George was playing music for the participants as well. He set up a little organ up on top of the roof of the lecture hall, and he would have little little music festivals every day with the younger crowd that were there at the ashram. Most of them were quite elderly people, but there were some young people, and, and they all gathered around George every day for their little mini rock concert. And then they got this idea in their heads that maybe they should change everything about TM and not charge money and be, have it be open and it could be more like a hippie thing. And uh, Maharishi, when they brought it to Maharishi, he just kind of giggled with his evasive giggles and didn't really respond. <laughs> but, <laughs> you're not going to reach case, into his wallet. Yeah, they, they wrote, uh, George did did play a lot of music there and and also wrote wrote songs there as well as Paul and George. Well, Maharishi and I mean, Me, Seeking John. Enlightenment with the Beatles Guru is the book. Susan Shumsky, the author of the book. Susan, thanks for stopping in and giving us a little insight on the Beatles and, and the Maharishi. It's been a pleasure visiting with you. A pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Uh, fascinating guys, fascinating bands. Remember to go see, if you're in town in the Twin Cities area, go to the Medina Ballroom tomorrow, Friday night, to see the Fab Four live in concert. I promise you, you're going to enjoy the show. I'll be there. If you see me, come on up and say hi to Dave Schrader. And uh, Mike, thanks a lot for being here with me. We'll be back again tomorrow filling in for Tom Bernard. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Tom Bernard Show. (laughs) 